0: hello everybody welcome to the sports forum podcast i am ken reed and i am your host at sports forum we try to take a fairly deep dive on a variety of sports issues i'm also a sports policy director for league of fans a sports reform project founded by ralph nader our mission at league of fans is to fight for the principles of justice fair play equal opportunity civil rights safety and civic responsibility in the world of sports sports forum is an ongoing discussion on a variety of topics many of them public policy related for the most part we'll be talking about issues beyond the games themselves our guests will come from all over the country and sometimes beyond and have a variety of sports related backgrounds so with that let's get this episode started Okay, I'm excited today to have Dr. Tim Rice. Uh, he's the lead faculty for the Doctor of Psychology program as well as lead faculty member in the sport and performance psychology specialization area at the University of Arizona Global Campus. In addition to his expertise in sports psychology he has served as a head coach in basketball, cross country, soccer, golf, and track and field during his 25 plus year coaching career at the high school collegiate and international levels. He has been in higher education now for nearly 20 years at colleges and universities across the country. Dr. Rice and his wife Candy have lived all over the United States. They have also lived abroad in the Republic of Ireland, serving in various consulting positions while there. And he has served as a consultant with Basketball Ireland, the FIBA governing body for basketball in Ireland since 2015. Additionally, he consults with Admirals Basketball Academy in the Republic of Moldova and Ukraine and Eastern Europe. So welcome to the League of Fans Sports Forum podcast, Tim.
1: Thanks so much, Ken. It's uh, always great to talk with you. It's been a little bit, so I'm really excited to get a chance to chat.
0: Yeah, I should say Dr. Rice and I served on the same sports management faculty for a long time. Well, a long time ago, at least. And, and I've continued to follow his career through the years. And with sports psychology becoming bigger and bigger field these days and, and his role, I thought it would be a perfect time to have him on the podcast why don't you tell us a little bit about your sports background so people can get a feel from for where you've been and and then how you got into the sports psychology field? Well, that's a good question.
1: You know, I I'm originally from the small town of Robertsdale, Alabama, which is a town and just across the bay from Mobile, Alabama and South Alabama on the Gulf Coast. And, um, you know, when I think about sports and my love for sport, it, it goes all the way back to 1977. When I saw kids uh, in the playgrounds there near my home, throwing the ball around and had this mitt on their hand. And I said to my mom, well, I I wish I could have one of those. And she went up to the local uh, department store and brought me back my first mitt. And I had that thing for, man, 20 years. Did it have uh, an
0: autograph player's signature in it?
1: No, it wasn't. I, I, we didn't have enough money for that, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, it had my name on it. <laughs> so I, yeah, I can
0: still see my first one with Mickey Mantle in the, in the, in the pocket there. That was...
1: Oh man. Yeah. And, and it was something that got me so hooked on sport. I, you know, I started watching major league baseball and seeing those great New York Yankees teams and Dodgers teams from the late seventies and and then just kept following that. And then, you know, that led to getting involved in, in, uh, playing the game and at the youth level and then, uh, you know, start playing other sports like football. Of course, when you're a South Alabama kid, you got you to play football, right. And, <laughs> you know, played, uh, uh, some soccer one year and, uh, uh, and then, you know, got involved with basketball and track and field distance running and at a young age and, and that just led me into really wanting to do it for a living. And, you know, I I was fortunate in college to have been mentored by some great people. Uh, you know, Sid Elliott, who was a former uh, great player at University of Tennessee for Ray Mears um, back in the early 60s. He was a head coach at Enterprise State Junior College in Enterprise Alabama. I was able to go there for two years and be his basketball manager on full scholarship. And, and then, um, you know, I, I, continued running and, uh, had the opportunity, uh, to end up at Mobile College. It's now known as University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama an NAIA school. And, um, you know, was mentored by a guy named Dr. Bill Elder, who's an NAI hall of fame coach and a great mentor to me in so many ways. And, he helped me get my start. I was fortunate to run cross country and, and track and field in college and have a pretty good success that way. And and then that just launched me from there into, uh, you know, living all over the United States. And, you know, I think I've had like 10 different driver's licenses, in different, 10 different States. Uh, during That's the, the life time.
0: of a coach. Uh- <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, I met how my does, wife.
0: How does a coach move into sports psychology though? That's an interesting transition.
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, You know, when I finished my dissert, I I completed my dissertation at the United States Sports Academy when I earned my doctoral degree, and and I wanted to look at uh, how competitive anxiety and sports self confidence impacted Division three men's basketball players. I was a Division three assistant coach at Grove City College in Pennsylvania, just north of Pittsburgh at the time and the early two thousands and know i'd worked at williams in massachusetts at williams college which is really like one of the top division three men's basketball programs in the country and i uh saw how the players there looked at you know throwing that you know really putting the the williams uniform on williams top on and how it mattered to them and they they had a different uh mental uh toughness makeup it seemed then what we had at Grove City College, uh, Grove City, we had, I thought, probably better athletes. And and that's not to be disparaging of our young people at Grove City, who I uh, love dearly. and But our Williams kids were just different. And so I wanted to look at what the differences were, you know. And uh, so what I ended up doing was I ended up uh, doing a study on it and uh, did my dissertation on uh, competitive anxiety and sports self-confidence of men's. Uh, Division three ranked and unranked teams to see what the differences were. And that's where it all kind of took me. From right there, I, I got involved and started imp, uh, working with teams and doing using the things that I learned um, to with my own teams. But also um, in 20, uh, 2010, started teaching for the University of the Rockies in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado at the time, then ended up moving to Denver. And, um, you know, it's been just a cool experience to be able to have some impact on uh, different areas, whether it's just impacting my students that have gone on to really a lot of great success uh, from, you know, that I've taught and mentored to the players that I've worked with, whether that was in Eastern Europe uh, with Admirals Basketball Academy or in uh, Ireland with the uh, programs over there, both in the local clubs, but also within the international program. So, yeah, uh, it's something that I believe is so very important, um, and uh, especially these days.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's you're one of the pioneers in the area, because I remember playing, and I'm, I'm no spring chicken, but, you know, sports psychology wasn't even talked about 25 years ago or so, and So you were kind of on the leading edge there, but it's certainly a growing field today. I think it's kind of the last frontier in terms of sports performance. There's been, and still is a lot more resources out there, obviously for physically training athletes, but not that much when it comes to mentally training athletes and just dealing with the mental health challenges athletes face, the pressures they face, et cetera. What do you think has caused this boom in sports psychology in recent years?
1: Wow. Well, I, I believe it, it, it's, it's a number, number of things really. Um, I, I, you know, you talk about the mental health challenges. I mean, really the issues of mental health in sport um, also violence and activism in sport is on the rise. And I can talk more about that in a moment, but um, you know, I, I, I a lot more athletes and teams, head coaches even are, are seeking expertise from sports psychology professionals. And, You know, I think that when we look at a lot of people may say, well, uh, you know, when I bring up activism, why is that an issue? Right. Well, it's it's in how how you handle that situation. You know, uh, when you think of Colin Kaepernick, for for instance, you know, his activism has led so many people to have to make a choice on what they were going to do. And that's not an easy thing to do as an athlete. Right. I mean, when we think about Especially
0: yeah. as part of a team, you know, where you want to have a collective feeling. And yeah, I, I remember some of those athletes that chose not to kneel and how the isolated they felt, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a, that's an interesting new factor in the whole sports psychology universe, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, when when we bring up violence, for instance, uh, really not even just violence, but really just uh, uh what doctors have done, even with the you know USA gymnastics and and all the things that have happened, you know, uh, there's so many things that are, are causing athletes to really, in many ways, not even think as much. Yeah, they're always thinking about performance, right? They're always trying to be the very best they can be on the court, course, or field. But when it comes down to it, you know, they're also having to think about the other things that, that they're having to deal with, whether, you know, if we're looking at younger athletes in high school, uh, even middle school that are dealing with relationships for the first time dealing with, um, in social media. I mean, I could go on and on about that, but I mean, there, there's so many, um, pressures that athletes have, and that's where a sports psychology professional can come in, um, and, and impact, um,
0: you know, uh, a lot of people. Do you think, uh, the number of high profile athletes in the last couple of years. I mean, we've had Michael Phelps, great Olympian swimmer, Kevin Love, the NBA star Naomi Osaka, and then Simone Biles, maybe the biggest one of all on the last Olympics opening up about their mental health struggles that has to be helping to change the just suck it up narrative that coaches used to have towards these kind of issues. Don't you think? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it is. And I mean, when you have, when you have people that have that platform, you know each one of those people have an ama- had amazing have an amazing platform, right? And because of that platform, they are putting themselves out there to say, "Look, it's okay." You know, when I when I think about you know one of the great uh, uh, you know uh, misconceptions, or not even misconceptions, but one of the things that Jay Coakley brought up uh, many years ago was the overemphasis of the sport ethic. And, uh, you know, what uh, Dr. Coakley meant there was, you know, uh, uh, trying to suck it up pretty much in a nutshell. And because of uh, that, that's not something that is necessarily accepted as much anymore. Um, and, I, and I'm glad of that because, you know, just being tough you know, people say, well, you got to be tough mentally and you got to fight through this. Well, you know what? Yeah, uh, it, it does help that you want to do those things. But at what cost? Right. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, we, we have to understand that how we perform and uh, is it, only for right now. And if we can do the very best we can, bring up Coach Wooden here, John Wooden, you know, uh, giving our best truly is success. And I I think so many times people forget that.
0: Yeah, especially in this win at all costs uh, culture that we have here. But you you touched on it, but athletes for a long time have been expected to push through any physical or mental issues they might have because they're seen as tougher than the average person. And, and as such, traditionally, fewer athletes have sought help with mental health challenges than the population in general. I read a study recently that uh, showed that 33% of all college students experience significant symptoms of depression, anxiety, or other mental, mental health conditions during their college years. And among that group, 30% of them seek help, but only 10% of college athletes with those issues seek help for mental health issues. So that. That's why I was so excited to see Phelps and Love and Osaka and Biles come out because I think that helps athletes from youth high school and college even and other pros say, you know, it's okay. I can open up and share my vulnerabilities and get some help when I need it.
1: Yeah, well, and and that, you know, those numbers are are telling. And I think that, I expect that those numbers will go up. And I think because of the, the focus folk- you mentioned there, Um, you're also uh, starting to see a lot more in the way of people communicating the uh, through other avenues, you know, that it's okay to say it's not okay, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that, you know, as, as a person that suffered burnout as a head college basketball coach, you know, 15 years ago, a little over 15 years ago, you know, it, for me, it was something that I I ran into a wall that I just couldn't get through. But at the time I used every kind of thing I could. And, um, and I think that it's important for all of us to be able to say, look, it's, it doesn't make you look weak uh, to, to ask for help. I think that that's something that is a major uh. Factor in why young people and athletes in general aren't willing to to come forward. But here's something else. And this is important also that, you know, sports psychology professionals don't just work with people that are athletes, but they also work with professionals in high stress positions they work with you know folks in the medical field and boy they've had their own challenges that way over the last few years with COVID-19 uh working with first responders police they work with surgeons performing artists and they also work with the armed forces uh many of my a number of my students uh, work for the United States Army Ready and Resilient Program and uh you know it, it I think that the most important thing we have to remember is that mental health and mindset are as important as an athlete's physical condition. So anyone that works with young people has, and, and athletes in general, has to understand that. I mean, that, you know, it's just as important, if not more important.
0: Yeah. And it's exciting. You touched on it, but more and more pro and college organizations, are hiring sports psychology specialists or uh, at least adding consultants. The Colorado Rockies I'm based in Denver. They just had a new general manager. And one of the priorities he said is to focus on mental health skills uh, moving forward. So things like that are encouraging and things like those top athletes coming out is encouraging. Uh, I think one of the discouraging things is, is the incredible pressure that young athletes feel i mean i'm talking below the high school level here because you got uh, travel teams and club sports that are bigger and bigger than ever and it's it's this feeling that you have these kids have to be on the elite team or they're not worthy enough to even participate in sports etc what uh, what type of warning signs do coaches teammates parents and other loved ones need to look at as clues that athletes are struggling mentally and how, how would you, um, counsel them on those type of things?
1: Well, I think some of the biggest ones, I mean, obviously depression is a big one. Uh, you know, if, if a young person, uh, changes the way that, you know, they approach life every day. And if you notice it, I know I noticed that kind of thing as a coach, I could tell, if a, you know, if a young person was outside of their personality type, you know, or uh, outside of the way that you normally would see them do things, um, you know, the way that pe- uh, a person communicates that you're working with, you know, uh, the kind of, uh, if they're using a lot of, uh, you know, negative uh, language or negative talk, um, you know, in the sports psychology world, you know, self-talk is extremely, important. And, uh, I know I use (laughs) self-talk every single day as a runner. And, uh, you know, I run marathons and half marathons and compete on the senior level now and in track and field. And, you know, without having a positive mindset, it makes a difference. So being able to see that, um, the other thing is, and it is important and it's about (laughs) if they're enjoying it, like, you know, how many times when you think about growing up, like I talk about the thing that got me started was sport, Ken, is I got a glove from the local Crest store. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, so so many of us forget that, that it's supposed to be fun. Right, and I right. think, it. and I think that when, when we bring in, um, you know, I always felt like growing up that playing, uh, with go you know we didn't have enough people to play baseball so we'd have Ghosts men i don't know if you ever did that ken yeah. but i, I oh, yeah. ghost man on first ghost man on third and
0: yeah you know and you couldn't hit it the half of the field was if you hit it the right field it was an out or something because yeah
1: didn't... yeah but you had the opportunity to make your own rules and it, that were within kind of the structure of the rules of the
0: sport itself well the key tim is there was no adults around uh at that <laughs> point and it's amazing that research has showed that uh, why so many young athletes get burnout out in quick competitive sports and the, and the factors they cite most often are just like you said, it's no longer fun. And second is overbearing adults, whether they be coaches and parents. So this win at all cost mentality is seeped all the way down to youth sports and it's driven by adults. One of the favorite sayings I use is there's too much adult in youth sports and that's, that's a big problem.
1: It is, you know, I'm I'm involved with the Positive Coaching Alliance as a, a trainer, and you know, I, I so much great information uh, that I've gained from that, and and really, uh, you know, being able to really remember that sport should be something where we're helping develop uh, people for things that are outside it. Well, they can play sport as long as they want, of course, hopefully that they can do that for a lifetime, but they'll be able to provide, uh, skills and, and mechanisms for not just coaches, but athletes, you know, that's the thing that I think makes can make it more fun. And, you know, listen, I mean, while sport is a high pressure cooker thing for so many, The last time I checked, you know, uh, world peace is probably not going to happen if we if we win a game against, uh, you know, uh, Cherry Creek next week. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's uh, I think that, you know, so many times, you know, it it takes more than just we have to start thinking more about uh, why we should be teaching young people to remember that man why we should remember why we started the beginning why we decided to play sport I think that matters
0: yeah do you know uh Joe Ehrman oh uh, I don't know him personally but I sure would love to (laughs) yeah I interviewed him once and his book uh Inside Out Coaching I think it's called is yep phenomenal but he he says that you have to start out as a coach looking at your own background and, and your own experiences and how that shaped you as a coach. And do you just coach automatically the way you were coached? And you know what kind of factors or what are you coaching for? Is it just for victories or for the holistic development of kids? And it's, it's really good, I think, for all coaches at all levels to look at his method of determining why am I coaching? Why do I like sports, first of all, like you said? I mean, even I would assume every coach thinks there's some part of sports that's fun. And that's what got him in at the start with. And then why, what do I want to pass on to the athletes under my guidance? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, and I also think too, that, you know, bringing it back to John Wood you know, the word win was never used by coach Wood. Right. (laughs) He only focused on the process. Right. of being the best they every person could be on the team individually and as a team and you know i, I think that that there's a lot when we get to a point where we mu- we have we tell young people you must win uh really must do must you win like i to me it, it <laughs> I, I i it's not going to uh yeah it could change like listen i grew up poor and without sport i certainly wouldn't be talking to you today and i wouldn't have the success i've had um, and I'm thankful for that. But you know, uh, it's given me a life that's been amazing to travel and stuff. But I but I do think that sport itself, we can't look at it and go, well, you know, I'm not where I'm at in my my life because you know I won a game in, in, in you know, 15 years ago, you mm-hmm. know, it didn't did determine where I got to.
0: Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be a cooperative activity. I mean, you're competing against someone, but ideally you're using the competition to help make yourself better. Yes, sir. And so in a way that competitor across the line of scrimmage or on the basketball court is helping you become the best you can be. And if, if everyone looks at it that way, we'd all be a lot better off.
1: I completely agree with that. Absolutely.
0: I think that we touched on the holistic aspect of athletes. And I think that's something that hopefully this boom in sports psychology is helping us uh, that everyone in sports, whether it's athletes, coaches, trainers, sports, physicians, we all need to appreciate the importance of caring for the whole athlete. The, The mind and body don't exist in silos, you know, mental and emotional health has too long been ignored because they're, you know, it's just not as tangible as a sprained knee or a broken bone. And in order to compete, at their best, athletes have to be both physically and psychologically ready to compete. And that means dealing with the whole athlete and what's going on in their lives off the court and off the field.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's something that we do. Uh, I think we do a pretty good job of at the University of Arizona mm-hmm. Global Campus in our sport and form psychology program. And, but, you know, I, I do think that the word holistic, I mean, really, it, it is a whole Uh, approach you know we we have to have kind of a village and of of uh, a multidisciplinary approach uh to be able to have uh people be successful and i whether it's in sport or in anything in life i mean we have to have a lot of people uh holding a ladder for others um to, to to get the great success and that's where the sport informed psychology uh side of it comes in and you know i think it is it's so incredibly important and and i'm glad that more people are starting to really see its importance
0: uh and and yet it's hard for people either whether it's a parent or an athlete to know where to turn um when they're having issues i i know if you're having if you want to find a a, a trainer that will help you develop your speed or physical gifts or something that, you know, there's one on almost every corner, but where do you turn if I'm this athlete that's stressed out in 10th grade or the parent of someone? I mean, it's hard, you look up sports psychology and you can find a few people, but we need to, I think, increase awareness of mental health challenges in general, and then also increase awareness of where available sports psychology resources can be found all throughout sports world at all levels
1: yeah i i agree with that and i you know i know that as you had mentioned earlier with those great examples the michael phelps uh and and all the uh, others that you mentioned um those are great examples of people that can increase awareness of mental health challenges in the sport world um you know regarding sports psychology resources one of the great uh, well first and foremost you know, one of the best places you can go to find uh, a list of uh, uh, certified um, sport informed psychology experts is the uh, website for the Association for Applied Sport Psychology or ASP, A-A-S-P. Um, the, uh, also, the American Board of Sports Psychology or ABSP. Um, you can find uh, resources at both of their webpages, and um, and you know, as crazy as mouse it may seem, you know we've got YouTube these days. So uh, you know, there's a lot of resources out there um, in YouTube with videos and everything. It's just kind of knowing what you're looking for, right, and what your challenges are, and what what what's causing the distress, what's causing the problems. Um, but I mean, there, uh, this, in this day and age, there's all sorts of sports psychology resources out there, but I do think that it's important to be able to find the ones that are, uh, at the right places, the places that, uh, have the most, uh, credibility in the industry.
0: Yeah. And I, I think with the zoom world we're living in, there's pros and cons to that, but, now, an expert like yourself or many sports psychologists are just a Zoom call away and, and you don't have to live in the same city even to get help. Oh,
1: absolutely. I've, I've done uh, Zoom calls um, with uh, athletes, um, you know, across the Atlantic, you know, uh, across the United States and, when and i've also worked with coaches who are struggling you know like a, a lot of times people think well you know uh, uh, being the, a good performer is just for the athlete well, what about the coach you right. know, so many times people forget about that people think well i know i know i could have really used somebody to lean into as a coach when i was a head coach uh, all those years ago at the college level um To lean into and ask questions of because, yeah, it's one thing to have expertise in it, but to have somebody else that you can lean into, it would have made a huge difference for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I do think that uh, we have to look at it and say performance isn't just in, in team sports, especially performance isn't just about the athlete it's about the coach. It's about the coaches. It's about everyone on the staff. Mm -hmm. Makes a difference.
0: Yeah. And there's another thing where the coach has been, most coaches have been brought up to believe that they have to have all the answers, that they can't show any weakness or any stress or any mental health challenges, that they're supposed to be the ones that give all the athletes and everyone the answers. And that's not the case. I think that's a good point. I think that's that's still an area that Needs a lot of growth, and that's uh, sports psychology professionals that maybe focus on the coaching profession.
1: Yeah, and you know, I know in working with my um, my students at University of Arizona Global Campus, um, you know, several of my students have actually uh, done their doctor research project on you know the impact that coaches have on athletes and uh, athlete success. And some of them have found that, you know, the coaches felt burned out and they felt, you know, stressed and they felt like that caused and that impacted uh, their performance. I know for a fact that when I was the head coach at a small college uh, in Ohio at the Division three level, oh uh, man, many years ago now, 16 years ago, uh, coming up, when I stepped away, that I wasn't the best coach I could have been for my players. I just wasn't. And a lot of it had to do with my own uh, struggles with trying to get through burnout and my own struggles with com- not even competitive anxiety, but, but really uh, dealing with negative self-talk, thinking I wasn't good enough and things like that. And I, I think having somebody to talk to, it, it makes a difference.
0: Yeah. And the other part of that is if the coach is burned out or highly stressed out, that frustration, anger, anxiety often is passed on to athletes, and even at the youth level. Uh, And a a lot of the burnout where where athletes stop playing by age 13. I mean, the percentage of young athletes that stop by age 13 is crazy. Some of that is caused by a bad experience with a coach who was just totally stressed out.
1: Yeah, well, I quit playing baseball because of that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I did in 1980. And, you know, it it had everything to do with the coach who uh, I felt, you know, didn't handle himself. I was a 10 year old kid, you know, I was 10 years old and I mean, you know, so uh, coaches have an incredible impact on, on their athletes. And I know if I could go back and do it all over again, I'd change it. I totally would.
0: Well, we talk about this generic term of sports psychology, and I I think there's two big areas. One, we've touched on both of them, but just to clarify here, one is performance psychology in terms of trying to get the best out of an athlete in their performance. And two is dealing with athletes and the mental health issues and challenges that they bring to the arena every day for practice or games. Do you see those two big areas and how do you think, um, Sports psychology programs like yours are doing and, and dealing with both aspects of that.
1: Well, I I think that um, it would be I don't know I I think we're we're doing our best to understand that it's more than just you know looking at it as just a competitor. Like when you think about sports psych in in its evolution. A lot of times it's always been thought of as well, we're here to basically uh, provide, um, you know, help athletes overcome mental roadblocks and improve their performance. But there's so much more to it now. And so if we're going to be developing programs to help um, all the different people that are involved in sport, we, we, And and if we're providing academic program, for instance, for our sport performance psychology professionals, they have to look at it from all different angles. It can't just be about, oh, well, I want this person to run faster. I want this person to play harder. I want this person to make more free throws. It it has to be more than that. It has to be, again, like you said earlier, a holistic approach. It needs to be, um, do I think that uh, sports psych programs academically are changing? Absolutely. And I think it has everything to do with um, uh, organizations like the American Board of Sports Psychology or the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, having uh, certification standards for, for uh, you know, sport uh, psychology professionals.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, it's as happy as both of us are that sports psychology is becoming more mainstream and accepted. We're still not to the point where mental health is viewed as just as important or taken as seriously as physical health. How how far away do you think we are from the point where mental health and physical health are both seen on equal terms when it comes to athletes?
1: Wow, I sure hope it's soon, sooner than later. You know, I I think that because of all these big name stars coming forward, I think that, you know, it's something that I think will move it up you know i I think you know you i think you can give it five to ten years really honestly um i don't have any uh any uh empirical data for that but i i I would say probably i think if you give it another five to ten years i think that there's a possibility that can that can happen i mean we you know when i look at how it's changed um over the last, uh, I even look at it, how it's changed uh, regarding, you know, Basketball Ireland, the organization I uh, work with and how their viewpoint of sports psychology was and services were back in 2015 when I first got involved and how it's changed since then. Every team has one now, everyone, uh, each one of the teams and it makes an impact. So I, you know, uh, on performance, but also, with what we just dealt with with COVID, imagine not having sports psychology services for those athletes who are struggling with the fact that, you know, like in Ireland, they didn't play for 18 months. Yeah, so yeah. we have to look at it like. Uh, so I think that you know, from the standpoint of overall uh, physical and mental, I think that you know, it, it take it's it's going to take having the influencers. The people that are the name high level coaches, the high level athletes that are willing to say, look, you know, LeBron James is really big on uh, on that aspect and focusing on, uh, you know, his mental toughness or his mental development in terms of being a good player. Yeah, Um, I think
0: he's big in the meditation, too, which is another good tool.
1: Oh, I, use, and I use that every day myself. Um, and, you know, at least 10 to 15 minutes a day, and it helps me really get, uh, you know, really get my feet underneath me to start each day. And, um, you know, but those are things that you can find, any person can find on YouTube or, or wherever. I mean, I think that it there's so many resources out there that just have to go look.
0: Yeah. And, we talked about it before, but I think sports psychology truly is the next frontier in sports. I, I, I'd i say the last 10, 15, 20 years has been the evolution of sport with uh, sabermetrics and analytics and how much data analysis has gone into all sports. And so it was kind of refreshing for me to hear the general manager of the Rockies say that one of his priorities now is mental health skills and sports psychology, because I think that's the next step after all this, uh, the numerical data stuff. You can't really put data numbers on mental health issues. So it's another step we're gonna have to take as a as sports world in general.
1: Well, I'll just say it this way the people that are doing the very best, the teams that are going to be the very best going forward
0: are the ones that are going to use it. Yeah. I I believe,
1: completely believe that. Yeah.
0: Yet we're still left with some athletes today. As we talked about that research study earlier, it's been a few years old now. I think we're only 10% of athletes that have mental issues are actually seeking help. And hopefully that's higher now, but what do you think is the biggest reason athletes don't seek mental help, even if they need it?
1: Oh, I think it has everything to do with, uh, you know, I talked about earlier about the, the, the overemphasis, overemphasis rather of the sport ethic and really not wanting their coaches to look at them like they're weak.
0: Yeah. I think
1: that has everything to do with it. And I know it sounds like that's
0: archaic. but It's but still true. Yeah. The stigma.
1: It's totally there. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it needs to continue to be there. But then again, you know, uh, uh, when it comes down to culture, when it comes down to specific ways of doing things, you know, many of those things take years and years to change. And, uh, you know, it's my hope that by preparing the future sport and and performance psychology expert or consultant to go out there and impact their own world, wherever they are, then hopefully we can change the way, change the narrative on that.
0: Yeah. You know, we talked about how sports psychology has evolved some from just pure performance focus to the holistic view of the athlete and the mental health issues they bring to the athletic competition. But where do you see things moving or evolving over the next couple decades in sports psychology? Do you see a trend or something that you would like to see the field move more to?
1: Oh yeah, well, I mean, when it comes right down to it, and you know, this is a research person, you know, scientific research and discoveries, you know, those are going to be the things that will bring the new thought and evidence to light when it comes to the need for sports psychology services. Um, and really, that's what leads, you know, peer reviewed research leads to what's going to happen next, right? Um, especially in this field. Uh, but I, I think that the greatest change will be in the area, that's well, my hope, the greatest change will be in the area of actual sports psychology uh, licensing. Uh, which doesn't exist in the united states currently um so if you're if you go out you know here's a great example if if you don't have a state psychology license in the united states and whatever state you live in you technically aren't supposed to call yourself a sports psychologist you should right. be calling yourself a sports psychology professional or or uh, you know, yeah. consultant or whatever, because that's you know wrong to to say you're a sports psychologist when you're not state licensed. Um, I would love I th- would I think the the big changes uh, hopefully will come with actual sports psychology licensing at the state level um, across the United States. You know, currently the uh, American Board of Sports Psychology and the Association for Applied Sports Psychology have certification pathways. But really, that's the extent here in the United States, um, and you know I think that, uh, and it's good to have those things. Um, you know I, I think that you know one of the things that is really well known in um, in the the actual uh, industry is what's known as CPMC or Certified Mental Performance Consultant, which is uh, a certification offered through ASP. And a lot of people, you know, go that direction to get it. Um, Do you need, are you required to have that as a sports psychology uh, professional or consultant? No, you're not. But I think that one of the things that will come in, I think needs to happen will be uh, hopefully, uh, you know, licensing that will change that going forward.
0: Yeah. And I know some sports psychologists have, uh, I think it's LPC licensed professional counselor or something. Yep. Yep. Which is another avenue some some sports psychologists are taking, but yeah, your your point is is good that uh, we need something a little more specific for this particular field.
1: Yeah, and and it'll. I think it's going to happen. I don't know when it'll happen, but I, I think that something. I think it's going to change, uh, in, in the next uh, at least the next uh, two decades. I would hope.
0: Well, moving from that question in general about sports psychology in general but what about sports psychology education in particular what do you think constitutes a high quality sports psychology education program what are the things that are most important to you in your program at the university of arizona global campus in terms of creating the best possible education you can for future sports psychologists
1: yeah, I would say. Well, first and foremost, you know, I think any any psychology program, and I, I'm the lead faculty member over the entire doctor of psychology program. So we have, you know, I.O. psychology, we have criminology and justice studies, we have conflict and mediation resolution, we've got uh, health and wellness psychology, you know, and of course sport and performance psychology, and uh, you know, it, it really is important that that the focus is on research and that it's evidence based. You know, Um, we don't want any of our students to graduate and not have a good handle on what's really the most important research in the field that they're looking to go into. And there's no and that's the same, obviously the same in the sports psych realm. you know, I, I believe that, uh, you know, for our program, you know, and for any program out there, I, I think it, it, it's all, ba- it should be based on current trends uh, in the industry, knowing those, um, having a good handle on that, you know, uh, looking at, you know, really developing our aspiring sports psychology professionals to work, not only with individual performers, but teams and groups. But also, as I mentioned earlier, coaches and leaders as well. Um, The other thing, too, is like and this is something that, you know, we haven't really talked about. But diversity and inclusion is uh, a really important piece to the sports psych uh, profession and, you know, really focusing and having an emphasis on that. And, you know, really focusing, uh, the, it, which is a given in, in that, you know, developing specific skills to help performers that they work with improve their performance. And, uh, of course, the legal and ethical challenges within the industry, those are things that, you know, have to be addressed. And then uh, lastly, really the, the physiological and psychomotor concepts, you know. Um, and if you can have a, a practical component, you should. Um, not every program does. Um, you know, we we uh, don't have a practical component at UAGC, but we do have um, our our program is aligned with the AASP. CPMC um, program in terms of what you know we offer. so they can go in they can get their practical aspects after, uh, they're complete, but ultimately it should be multidisciplinary. And I think we do a pretty good job with that. Um, as I mentioned, you know, our program is closely aligned with the CPMC standards. And I think that uh, the, the programs out there that are, I think anyone that's looking at a, a program academically should really think about that. And, you know, as much as possible, it needs, if it leans or aligns with CPMC uh, from AASP, it's a good program to look at.
0: Well, great, Tim. I mean, this has been awesome. I think uh, we're going to be talking more and more about sports psychology in the next couple of years. And I look forward to having you back to, to talk about how things have evolved. But uh, it's been an interesting discussion. And I hope we have listeners out there who are parents or coaches or athletes themselves that have heard this and, and will look into the growing field of sports psychology and how it could help athletes and coaches. And and it's something that's needed in sports world today. And it's I'm thrilled that in the last couple of years, we've had these leading athletes use their platform to make it to boost this field even further. But thanks for your time, Dr. Tim Rice from the University of Arizona Global Campus. And it's been fun chatting with you and I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks so much, Ken. It's always great to chat. And uh, if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out to me at the University of Arizona Global Campus.
0: Keep up the good work. We'll talk next time on League of Fans Sports Forum part Podcast. Take care.